welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Emergency Nine Golf Podcast. We hope you are doing well. Fucking nailed it this week after messing it up <laughs> last week. Um, McLean Boyd and Jay Woodson are alongside. How are you, gents? Wonderful, man. Beautiful Tuesday evening here in Florida. We are recording on a on a Tuesday on a going to be a chilly night here in Virginia. Might get, might get our first frost tomorrow morning. How about that? How about that? All that Bermuda's going dormant. I love it. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, because you're like, okay, I'll have to go the into work today. <laughs> season, the season's almost over, boys. Come on. Let's go. We're getting there. Daylight savings is a couple of weeks away. Frost is hitting. Time to go into hibernation in the golf pro world. Right. It's funny. Right. We're just getting ramped up down here. You guys are. That's right. Oh, on, on your coast, not so much on the other coast, maybe. Oh, but Naples is awesome. Let's um let's talk a little golf. So no one watched golf this weekend because it was on at like two o'clock in the morning. Well, Jay, you were up late every night. You could have probably caught more of it than any of us. Not see. Um, I didn't see a whole lot of the golf. I did check the scores quite a bit, um, but I did not. I did not watch any of it. So yeah, that's, that's terrible. That's that's the thing. So the Zozo in Japan. This is again, I get okay. So the PJ tour is primarily an American based tour, but we have talked about world golf, and that's one of the things Liv's trying to do is bring golf around different parts of the world and different markets. And we've talked about how big the Japanese market is, especially with Hideki and that kind of thing. But from a mainly American audience, having the tournament on in the middle of the night, that no one can watch kind of blows. <laughs> Not good. You know, I it's it's tough. for the viewership. I mean, I do. Those I, here on the East Coast. I mean, I don't know what it's like on the West Coast. I, I mean, I know it was coming on at about nine o'clock at night. It seemed like for us um, over here on the East Coast. Is it good golf in primetime in the West Coast? I mean, I'm I'm sure we can do the math and understand what time it comes on. But um, it, it's not great for us over here. I do yeah, finishing, I do enjoy the primetime golf when we get yeah. it on the West Coast over here. For yeah. them, that's the extreme West Coast. Uh, so I don't know what it's like for that half of the continent, but for us over here, it's not not something that I enjoyed. I mean, it's tough to be a part yeah, of it. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a tough ask. Even if you're up when it's on, you're drinking, so it's tough to keep track. Yeah, yeah. going, you know, the tournament ending at 2, what is it, 2 a.m., 2.30 or something like that, it finished up. It's like, you know, who's who's watching that? I mean, yeah, I, thought, but I, wasn't watching. I could have watched it and told you who didn't win or not. told you <laughs> who won. Well, let's well, wait, first off, what are you guys drinking? Sorry, I skipped right over that. Um, I am actually I was going to take the night off, but here I am. I feel like that's weird to do that on the podcast. So um, I've got uh, a newer bottle, uh, Remus Repeal Reserve version six or series six. So it's actually awesome. The the series five, if you can get it, you should get it. You probably can't find it or you're going to have to pay a pretty penny for it, but they just came out with the series six and it's not quite as highly rated, but it's pretty damn close. So well, I like it's good. Yeah. McLean. Corona light. There we go. I'm, I'm doing something different tonight. I'm doing a high noon, a little vodka soda, <laughs> high noon. You you so, definitely looked at that a long time for how short those two words are. I didn't know what I was looking I at. Love the way, I love the way you said it. I'm uh I'm doing something different tonight. Um, how about a high noon? 
Yeah. He picked up the bottle, the can, like it was a bottle of bourbon. He was about to read the label. I was going to read the label. uh, uh, Watermelon. High noon. Made with real fruit juice. (laughs) Well done. Yeah. There we go. That's a light night for me. I knew. I like it. I like it. So no, no bourbon for me this evening. All right. Let's get back into the golf. So Zozo in Japan, Keegan Bradley is your winner over Ricky Fowler. It was 2014 all over again. Um, yeah, I think I think Ricky's getting ready to make <clears throat> make a little bit of a move. He's been back working with Butch Harmon. Butch has been posting some of his work. It seems like he's getting his swing back dialed in. You know, it, it's it's a matter of getting over the hump for him mentally, getting back in the mix of things, getting comfortable being in contention. And we, we know he's been there. He has experience that he can draw on. Um, he's a very likable guy. He's going to have the crowd behind him, which is also a big part of it. Uh, I think he's getting ready to turn a corner, and, and I hope he does because it's good for the game. Yeah, I mean, it's awesome to have Ricky involved, and hopefully he, he can keep this going. We started to see a few flashes of it the last four or five months. But, you know, for him to hold the 54-hole lead and then, you know, he didn't play great, shot even par um, on on Sunday there. But he, he started, I mean, Butch Harmon, man, he is the, the whisperer. He is the, the best, man. That guy is, is so good at what he does and getting these guys kind of back to neutral. I think for, like, we've talked about it a little bit. He's almost like a, a head coach for these guys. He makes small, minor tweaks. He gets them. He probably looked them in the eye and says, "Hey, you're Ricky fucking Fowler. Like, play like it. You know yeah. that. That's the kind of stuff I, that like Butch says and does. And he he does make changes, obviously swing changes and tweaks, but it's never like something crazy. It's not it's a, a massive fundamental change. It's a yeah. tightening, and he restores confidence in that that's swing exactly for right. the player. You know, I think that's what he does so well, and I, because he's such a trusted voice, that's where guys are able to take that and build on it." Like, hey, if Butch thinks this is tight, I'm tight. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I yeah. think Butch, Butch, with what he did with Tiger early in his career, cemented himself as having that voice of uh, of confidence, if you will, to reinstill that confidence inside of a player. And he's done it um, with a lot of guys over the years. And I think Ricky's going to be the next on that list. Yeah, you nailed it. I've heard Butch kind of say that same thing in a, in a seminar years ago. He, he didn't really say he lies to guys, but he he bumps up their confidence. He's like, oh man, you've got it. You got this. Even though that he knows they, they maybe not don't really have quite have it yet. He's telling them, man, you, you fucking got this. Like, no problem. You're gonna go play great this weekend. And then they do, even though he knows that it's still not quite where they need it to be. You know what what I I, I compare it to uh Doc Rotella. And obviously I've never worked with Butch, but I have worked with Doc quite a bit and Doc had a way of, um, you know, super smart guy, same as Butch watched, I mean, coached, you know, two arguably, you know, the best players for the longest duration in, in Norman and, and Tiger. But um, he just had a way of like we've, we've mentioned those comments about the game, giving them confidence or helping them get to confidence. But it was through self-discovery in a sense, like I'm not going to tell you what to do. You're going to hit some balls. I'm going to show you kind of what I think. And then you, you get out there and, and, you know, make the adjustments that you think you need to make based on what I'm telling you. And then now you really start to believe in it. Like, Oh, all I needed to do was this, you know, based on you making a change with, you know, Hey, set up like this and then let's see what happens. And all of a sudden now they're like, Oh, I got it. You know, I can do this. And it's, it's amazing when a guy really believes in what they're doing and they have that sense of self-discovery, then that's really when they start to trust it. You know, it's like, okay, 
my teacher's telling me I need to do this. Maybe I'm not hitting it as good as I should, but they said I need to keep doing it. So I'm going to keep doing it. But there's a difference between a coach saying, Hey, try these couple things. What works for you? And then they go, they take the whatever comments is two or three comments and they, they go out and, and start hitting some great shots. And it's, it's theirs. They own it. They really own the change. And then that's when you see these guys really commit under the gun, which I mean, again, I'm, I'm yeah, kind of buy in. That based on everything I've heard about him and what he does. Um, that's kind of the way that he operates. It's just very simple ideas and like, Hey, what do you, what do you think about this? Try this, try this. Um, you know, for these guys, you know, when he was with Tiger in the beginning, he was doing a lot of, you know, when he was in, when he was a junior um, and an amateur, he was really they were putting a lot of work and yeah. making some changes. But for most of these guys now, like when he worked with DJ for that little bit of time, it's like all he had to do is kind of reassure him and give him the ideas to just do what he already knows how to do. Um, and well, I think you're exactly right. And he, what he did with DJ and Ricky were very similar. He tightened their swing up. He didn't change the total dynamics of it. He didn't change the shape of it. He mm-hmm. took a move and made it a little tighter, a little more consistent. You know, Ricky used to have a much larger redirection than he has now. He's never lost it. The swing still looks the same. It's just a smaller amount of redirection. Yeah. And with that, it, it allowed him to develop consistency and ultimately become a little bit better ball striker. You know, he used to have a great putter, and that's one of the things that really got him through. His short game was through the roof back when he was very competitive. Yeah. Um, now we're starting to see some flashes of his old short game, but also coupled in with some confidence in his green or T to green game. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like, kind of like Sergio uh, in the past, you know, Sergio has always been a great ball striker, but in the last 15 years, you know, when he really started to get rid of, he didn't get rid of that kind of flattening or shallowing and that lag move that he has, but it just was not as severe. So then you take a guy who's obviously been not one of the best putters um, on tour, but still finds a way to always compete and, and you know, it, if not win a tournament every year, I don't think he's quite won a tournament every year, but he's always in the in the mix just because he he's so good with with this with his iron game and, and his driver. I mean, arguably one of the best drivers of golf ball ever. But I think part of that is because he got to that point where he just, all right, I can still take the move that I'm doing, but I just do it a little bit less. Similar to what Ricky, he always had that kind of real, it was like a flat, flat move at the top. And then it would steepen at the top of the backswing, which is opposite. Most people kind of get the club a little steeper and then shallow on the way down. So it's kind of a, a, there's a lot of moving parts in the transition. So it's, it's tough to time it out, but all he had to do, obviously, like you said, is just, just condense it a little bit. So it's not so busy. And then he's obviously lead to back to some more consistency, which is, you know, the guys, the guys a stud. I mean, he, he really, He's always been great. I mean, the last two years, it's just you knew something was just not quite off, and it was like morally, more or less, it was just a confidence thing. Well, I think well, it's a great point, Jay and Mike. I don't, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but to to piggyback on what Jay just said, you know, I think there, especially up until the last maybe two years, there's a lot of correlation with what Ricky and Sergio had done. You know, Ricky was competitive in a lot of events. He didn't have a ton of wins, but he had a couple. But he was also competitive in majors. You know, he would always kind of find himself around there Sunday afternoon, didn't capitalize, but found himself in the hunt for a long time. And you know, he, he kind of fell off, probably had a little bit bigger slump than maybe Sergio ever had in his career. Yeah. But there's a lot of similarities to be taken from both of what those guys have done. You know, Ricky consistently put himself in the hunt when it came down to major championships and was there for a lot of the big team events. Um, was was a great match play player. Um, someone who, when I look back on it, they 
<laughs> Ricky had the crowd on his side more so than Sergio. Oh, yeah. But, oh, yeah. Uh, but at the same time, when you just look at the events that they shined in, the ones that, why that is. In, where they showed up, um, there seemed to be a lot of similarities between those two guys. What year well, was it? What year was it that uh, Ricky finished second in all four majors or something crazy? It was definitely in the top five in all on all four majors. Uh, it was 2014. 2014? Damn, it was, was a top. Yeah, it was that long ago. I didn't realize it was that long ago until I looked it up. He was T5 at the Masters, T2 at the U.S. Open, T2 at the British Open, T3 at the PGA. It's playing golf right there. Yeah. That's some golf. So, you know, the other thing, too, about, about Ricky – before we get to this little debate, Ricky's putting has been MIA the last few years. Yeah. You know, that's the other thing. It's if if he could still putt like he used to, like he was doing back in the, you know, from 2012 to 2016, he was one of the best, if not the best in the world putting. Yeah. It, to hit it poorly and then to putt, I was just looking at his strokes gained putting recently. I mean, last year, strokes gained putting. Um, not this season because it's too short, but 161st. He was like, like 137th the year before that strokes gained putting. So similar to what we saw from Jordan once he once he started seeing that hole get a little smaller. Yeah, it's like, oh shit, I can't hit the ball. And now I can't make a putt. We're in yeah. we're in trouble, boys. Maybe the maybe the uh, it may have been the putter first that caused the, you know the issues with the other part of your you know it could have, yeah if you're not making putts and you're not getting up and down you're making bogeys but because you're missing putts now you you start putting heat on your 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 long game like I need to hit it closer I need to hit it closer and it just wears you out it trickles trickles back towards the tee you know yep. you feel like you yep. got to hit every chip to three feet and that four yeah. you can't. You can't miss a green, and now all of a sudden your iron game stinks, and so now you can't miss a fairway off the tee because, you know, it's just like a mm-hmm. – it can be a, a negative domino effect. Yeah. Especially when you're you're so used to being so good at that facet of the game. Yeah. yeah. When, that when you lose it. it Losing gets, control of one of your most controllable yeah. Um, yeah. You know, parts of your game. When the reality doesn't meet up with the expectation, that's the superior frustration. I mean, yeah. you know you're it's a my great entire game right yeah. now. So <laughs> uh, I've just convinced myself that I suck. So it's really, you know, whatever. <laughs> so then you're always you're always better than what, what you always think. Always better than always, expectations. Always positive. <laughs> yeah, I have been so deep in that valley. I'm trying to convince myself that I'm a little better. Than- <laughs> <laughs> try to get out of it because like, nah, you still got this you still got this no what you don't have is enough sand on your golf cart because you've laid the sod over it for the first six holes <laughs> so all right so keegan does win again i want to give him more props I, I didn't get to watch it obviously like we said uh it you know keegan's an interesting character on the pga tour some guys don't really like him because of his pre-shot routine and all that he's a little slow and a little arrogant just, yeah, I mean, he was a little arrogant. Um, I've always liked him. It's usually just a Massachusetts connection. He went to a, a, a local high school not too far from mine. And we would have played against, against each other in high school if he had moved um, a year earlier. But interesting career, right? So he comes out. He wins in 11. His first event, what, uh, first win was the Byron Nelson. Then essentially as a, as a no-name Still has a no name, even with a win. Wins the PGA Championship that August 2011. Wins the WGC the next year, 2012, uh, at Firestone. You're thinking like, oh, man, he was on a couple cup teams. 
thinking this guy's a stud. Then he had a six-year drought, didn't win again until the BMW and the playoffs in 2018, and then has a four-year drought now, wins Zozo. So, five wins, same as Ricky. I'll go through Ricky's. Ricky won the Wells Fargo in 2012, the Players' Championship, and that unbelievable finish that he had. He went went like 3-2-3. Yeah. And then... Was that over Sergio? Yeah, I got to a play. He went to a playoff, and then that's right. It was Sergio and somebody else. There was a third player. Uh, Kevin Kisner was in the playoff, and so unbelievable finish there. He wins that. He wins um, later that year the Deutsche Bank Championship, which was a playoff event at the time. Two years later, in seventeen, he wins the Honda. Two years later, he wins the Waste Management in Phoenix, and then he hasn't won since. So, I ask you. And I stole this debate from another podcast I was listening to. Whose career do you take? Not even close. It's Ricky. No major. I'm good with that. The guy has had a way more positive um, impact on the game. He's been way more. And made way more more money. (laughs) Made a shit ton more money. Well, so the on-course earnings. I don't have off course, and obviously Ricky's going to trump by a whole bunch whatever Keegan's done off course because Ricky still to this day is still in like every commercial out there. He has made, Ricky has made on course $42,000. You want to revisit that? $42 million? $42 million. I got him. I got Ricky. You made that in the last 90 minutes of commercials. Uh, sorry, 42 million. Keegan Bradley has 33 million. So Ricky was a more, you know, has had much more success taking out the wins. Again, they both have five wins. What about top tens? Uh, hold, please. I would think Ricky probably has more if he's won 10 more million. Keegan's yeah. had 52 top tens ricky's had 76 yeah so he's been in contention way more he has a player which is close to a major keegan does have the one major ricky's contended way more in other majors like we just went over you know he also has more success in team events more success in team events and team events so yeah it's it's you know master i mean masters uh majors mean mean a ton so that's that's really the only reason it's kind of close because it's one to zero there. Yeah. yeah. He's got, he's got more, like you said, he's a, he's played well in more events than, than Keegan. Um, but yeah, if you were to just line up those numbers, not, not saying who that person is, then you could see where someone would have the argument. Oh, I'll take the guy with the major, yeah. um, you know, but knowing who they are, you're like, Oh, I'd rather be Ricky than Keegan. <laughs> You know, you'd rather be, I mean, Ricky is like, everybody loves the guy. He's well-respected by everybody on tour. Now we're talking more personality, not on just the stats of the career. Yeah. Yeah. Just not the yeah. golfer, but yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I, it's, it's a hard one. It's, it's kind of a toss up for me. I, I think I would still lean Ricky. If Ricky had five wins and the players was not one of them, then I might say otherwise, but the players is a, is a big boy win. So, I can't believe that Ricky's only got five wins. Yeah, and he's been on tour since. I mean, almost the same amount of time as Keegan, right? Pretty close. Well, so Keegan's Keegan's older 
but hasn't been on his tour quite as long. So it looks like if you want to go after, he had a special sponsors exemptions. It looks like Ricky's first full year. He played 28 events in 2010. He played three in, in uh, 2009. So one year, one year, one extra year of, of playing. One out. year. Yeah. So, yeah. but only five, that's not a lot. No, that's, that's, that, that's amazing to me. I would have thought it would, was closer to 10. But yeah, only five wins. So, again, I hope I hope I hope he's back. You know, I hope this is for things to come. Uh, he can kind of build off of this throughout the fall and into next year. But you know, that high of finish will help him get up there a lot in points and world rankings and money to get him into more things because uh, he hasn't been qualifying for all the majors the last couple of years. I think he only played in yeah. one major this past year. So it'll. Uh, be interesting to see Ricky's uh, kind of transformation. Off topic, Mikey, what color green are the Celtics wearing? I mean, are these the country club Celtics? It looks like stock easy go. It doesn't even look like them. Yeah, it, it actually looks like, look the, it looks like the Milwaukee Bucks. It does. Yeah, it's like it's a not a good look. Green. And it clashes with the color of the floor. I'm, I'm not a good look starting out. I'm just telling you. It's a, okay. it's a bad I'll, way to start the season. I'll get with my people. I apologize. We'll work on that for you. <laughs> you're connected what's that yeah. email address bag of dicks at math <laughs> yeah just wait till you see what reply you get from that email <laughs> so anything else on the zozo or storylines obviously again it's hard to comment on the golf when it's you don't see it uh, mclean did win DraftKings again he won again. I came in last again. It's like I'm deja vu. Man, that can be Ricky Fowler. I can just get a bunch of seconds, man. We did we did have a couple of good picks again. Um who picked Andrew Putnam this week? I picked him a couple of weeks ago. Somebody had him I, this week. I picked him this week, I think. I had I had Hayden Buckley, T five was my that sleeper. Was that was a good pick. But you have Victor Hovland up there, Xander top ten. Matthew Neesmith, who McLean had yeah. another another strong week. Uh Kita, what was his name? Nakajima. Yeah, I had Nakajima. Sorry, I didn't have Putnam last week. Oh, okay. <clears throat> uh, but you had you had Kita Nakajima, right? Mm-hmm. You that was your your low man, your sixty one hundred dollar dollar guy, yeah. or whatever it was. He had T twelve. That was so, a sneaky pick. He was low down there. That was that was a damn good pick. That was that's better than the Hayden Buckley pick. Gosh, and if I could have just followed up with some other some other uh, good picks, it would have been pretty good. But um, I didn't do that. No, nope, McLean's starting to run away with our season long DraftKings uh, championship. So yeah, it's just it's bullshit. We only got what forty more events to catch up. Yeah, yes, <laughs> we'll get there. Still tons of time. <laughs> So let's let's get into uh, PGA Tour made some changes today. Another bonus for us uh, doing this a day late on Tuesday. So we had talked about the schedule changes that are coming. You know, this year you won't see any s- calendar schedule changes. There's still this wraparound season. 2024 is when they're going to go to the calendar year. Centuries, you know, beginning of January starts the season. But they started to enact some of these changes that the I don't know what we need that name for those those guys, but the 
the group put together the top guys with Tiger and Rory and their suggestions to the PGA Tour that the PGA Tour is enacting of these elevated events and these elevated series, bigger money events. And they they gave a bunch, you know, I guess it was last month, early September, on what events were going to be elevated. And they were still waiting on four more. Well, they announced those four elevated events today for 2023. They will be, according to Golf Week, the Phoenix Open, the RBC Heritage at Hilton Head, Wells Fargo at Quail Hollow, and the Travelers Championship in Connecticut are all going to be elevated status events for 2023. The good news is, I like those choices, but they're going to rotate them. It's not they're not going to be elevated every year. Every year. Oh, that's cool. I think that's a good idea. That'll get more guys playing in the different markets. You know, like Hilton Head. Guys don't play there. Guys don't. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a course that most guys like to play. It's not you know consistent with the other the other events. Um, but it's a cool event. I mean, and I it's you, a week. It's a, always the week after the Masters, and some people want to take a break after a major. Yeah. yeah. So you'd get a couple of the RBC guys that would go play historically. DJ would show yeah. up there because um, it is an RBC event. But historically, they've not always garnered the best field, but they always had a really, really cool, unique atmosphere as being one of the most laid back stops on the PJ Tour. I think it's probably one of the stops where we see the tour players um, fraternize with the guests more than anywhere else. I mean, that. Um, the quarter deck down at Harbor Town. Uh, there's been there's been many of uh, good times had down there with both tour players and just the public alike. Did did uh, Tiger anything happen to Tiger there years ago? <laughs> and we covered that. I think <laughs> I think we, I think we we covered that on an off air show. Uh, yeah, yeah. we had a discussion about yeah. Tiger fraternizing with people down there. That doesn't so. that, that story doesn't benefit anybody right now. <laughs> I don't know. We can use some ratings. <laughs> yeah, but I don't need to be financially buried either. <laughs> no, we're worth nothing. So what can you take us for? You know? He does like white chicks and we get we're all married to white chicks, so that could be something. Yeah, and I'm closest. I mean, I live in the same <laughs> county. Yeah, you're right around the corner. Yeah. So all right, we won't go there. We won't go there. But no, I I do like these choices and I do like that they're going to rotate them around. Like I would think, you know, Pebble beach would be a great one to have at some point. I get all these guys at Pebble beach. A lot of these guys always skip that event, you know, and it's great for the fans in those, those markets in those locales to say, Oh man, I've never seen Rory McIlroy at at this event because he skips it every year. So, you know, and the players still have to play three others on top of this schedule. So here's, here's kind of the schedule of when you're going to see these top players. You can mark these, circle these weeks on your calendar. You're going to see basically the top 20 players on the in the world and, and the PJ Tour play together. So January, you'll have them the first week at Century Tournament of Champions because now everyone from the Tour Championship the previous year gets into that whether you won or not. Then in February, you'll have two this year. You'll have the Phoenix Open. Then you'll have the Genesis at Riviera. In March, you're going to have three events. You're going to have Bay Hill, the players, and then the match play. In April, you'll have the Masters and the Heritage. In May, you'll have the Wells Fargo and the PJ Championship. June, you'll have Memorial, the U.S. Open, and the Travelers. July, the only event on this elevated tier or series, essentially, you're going to have is the British Open. 
but you're probably going to see a lot of the guys at the Scottish Open the week before because that has turned into a big event with the co-sanctioning guys wanting to get over there a week early to get acclimated. And then in August, you're going to have the three playoff events. St. Jude, BMW, Tour Championship will all move up into August in 2023. Love it. I think that's awesome. Making moves. There you go, PJ Tour. So, yeah, it's good. You know, they haven't they haven't announced anything. I think all the field sizes for these are going to stay for this year, full field with cuts. It doesn't sound like there's going to be any changes there. That may change going into 2024. I, I think this is really a kind of a bridge year. They might test out a couple things, alter things for 2024. But yeah, this is it's a little bit of a bridge year. The real, I think you'll see the real kind of full picture of what the schedule is going to look like in the next, you know, call it five years. You know, we'll be finding out probably this time next year about the 2024 calendar. And that will kind of really tell us how many like in-depth changes are they making to this? And are they doing limited fields? Are they doing no cuts? You know, because that's what kind of what the players were talking about doing, you know, 80 players or something like that. I don't know what that number is or should be. I want to cut. I'm steadfast on 72 holes with a cut. Can you do it 100 and make a cut? That's fine with me. Can you do 80, make a cut? I wouldn't want to see less than 80. No, that's that's gets weird. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I mean, we've got no cut this week, you know, so we still have these these kind of limited field events where there's no cut. 70 whatever guys um so yeah i don't i don't think they're going to get rid of those completely no i mean you had the one last week at at zozo that makes sense to me because how many guys you're going to get to fly all the way out there with Mm -hmm. a with a a, with an event the week before an event the week after like it'd almost be hard to fill that you'd have a bunch of probably maybe you have to give exemptions a bunch of asian tour guys or whatever it may be to kind of fill that field so the zozo one makes sense to me this week doesn't make any sense. The CJ Cup. One, I'm not sure why it's not in Korea. Normally, it's in Korea. I don't know why you might. You just might well have a a two three week Asian swing or something like that. Yeah, you know what I mean? That's what I, I didn't didn't make make any sense to me either. I said the same thing. I was like, if you, you're already over there, this is a this is predominantly been an, uh, it's an Asian sponsor. Yeah. So why would they not have the two two back to back? You know, at least two back to back. That would I mean be, that would entice guys to go. He's like, oh, I'll play two events, but just for one to go over there, it's like doesn't make any sense. Well, yeah, I do I, know that they have wanted to get back to Congaree, and that they've been trying to find an event for this property. And I think ultimately, when this was planned, travel was still a little bit uncertain at the time. Okay, what, yeah. So where, they had to where did they where did they play this last year? Uh, Vegas, Vegas. That's right. So, what was the event that they played at Congaree last year? It was like a just a makeshift the Palmetto event. Championship. Yeah, it was called the Palmetto That's Championship. Right. It was a. Right. It was to take the place of an international event. I don't know if That's it was correct. one of the Mexico events or because of the whole COVID thing, they were yeah. looking for. I, I forget which one that took the placeholder for, but yeah, the CJ Cup has moved around in the last couple of years due to COVID, but now that that's pretty much done, and like you said, I mean CJ. The amount of money they spawn, I mean, pretty much every Korean golfer, men and women, have their logo on there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
shirt, bag, hat, wherever it's, it's on them. So they put a pump a ton of money into golf, why they wouldn't want an event in Korea is interesting. Unless the PJ tour just kind of strong armed them and said, Hey, this is what you got to do for right now. Well, yeah. this is probably, I mean, it's, it's massive for what they do in the Korean market. And I think they're already a pretty big player there. I think they probably have a bigger opportunity to submit themselves as a brand in our market because we're be. we so large and I've already seen, and I'm actually a customer of CJ foods because they make these dumplings at Costco. We can go down the Costco train if you want to go down that route too. Um, but they make these dumplings at Costco that are a staple in my house. I absolutely love them. But I think for them, as much as they want to host something in Korea where they are just, it, it, they have a lot of pride, nas- national pride, um, they want to be a part of that. I think there's also a, a an advantage to become a larger brand in such a massive market, you know, as the United States is. If you would have asked me prior to two minutes ago what CJ, the company, does and sells, I would not have been able to tell you. CJ <laughs> Foods, man. I did not know that until you came out of your mouth. <laughs> no idea what they did. I was actually, as we were talking about it, I'm like, I have no idea what this company is. I, I'm no. sure they probably do more than just that, but it's, Oh yeah, I'm sure they do. But I think the biggest thing they do is foods. Uh, okay. I, I don't know exactly what that looks like. If it's a U.S. food service type over in uh, Korea, but I know they have uh frozen foods in um, Costco that I actually get. And it's funny because uh, when I grabbed them, uh, the CJ logo was one of the things that stuck out to me stuck personally um, and made that relation. Yeah. Um, I don't want to get into the Costco's overrated argument, but it just reminded me of, you'll love this. I was in Chick-fil-A the other day. Another staple. And I had the overrated conversation while in Chick-fil-A eating Chick-fil-A. <laughs> I, I thought, all I could think about was you, McLean, the whole time I was there. Who are you with? So a, a good buddy of mine, Dave, We, uh, my lovely wife was out of town at a, conference and i'm using massive air quotes on this conference that she was at it was a a four-day bender with three of my best friends but anyways which sounds weird to say we had a blast we had a a great time (laughs) Uh uh-huh um we did we we worked hard we played hard we went to the the conference two full days well at least well a couple of us did but (laughs) Yeah, we we went to the conference. We got our shit done, and then we were like, "All right, we're in Nashville. We're going to go to Broadway. And we're going to listen to live music." And it was that's what we did. So I I had the girls on Saturday day off of work. I took the girls. We went good, a good buddy of ours, Dave. He he took his two kids. We went down to the Richmond Zoo. Had a wonderful kind of late morning and early afternoon at the Richmond Zoo. And then on the way home, the kids were hungry, so we stopped at Chick Fil A. But yeah, I had the conversation of with dave and i had a lengthy discussion as i'm in chick-fil-a about how much it's overrated still is i'm gonna what, i'm what, I'm, what do you order though what's your order? i'm going to the grave with this you're never going to convince what's your me. order i need to know what your order is i vary it up sometimes it's a cob salad sometimes what? it's a grilled chicken sandwich sometimes it's just the number one whatever so you don't order anything good you're not even giving it a fair shake. It's all you mediocre. There, you get chicken nuggets, or you can get the number one is the only thing decent that's even applicable on a fucking Chick-fil-A order, unless you have a fucking disease that, that keeps you from eating the quality fucking food that they offer. 
and you're obviously not saucing it right if you're ordering a cob <laughs> salad what the fuck are you thinking you got to go in there you get chick-fil-a sauce polynesian sauce or the honey roasted barbecue those are the only three options that there are you you've got to change hey, this up my, get you my, a 12 count nugget meal get a side of fucking waffle fries Look, the skip the sweet tea good. because it's too sweet there, and that's coming from someone in North Carolina saying that. But I'm just telling you, you can skip the sweet tea there. Um, but at the end of the day, buddy, you've got to up your order. You're not even giving you, – you can't actually take a stance on this with your cor- current order situation. Yes, I absolutely can. I've had the number one plenty of times. Wow. That's their staple, right? That's it's if you're okay. going to- – It's okay. It's okay. It's not the best. If you're not getting the nuggets, I, I'm uncertain what you're doing at Chick-fil-A. It's a chicken nugget, dude. Like. No, that's incorrect. No. No. Well, I will say their their nuggets and tenders are better than any fast food place, other than maybe Zaxby's. There's there's a pretty, pretty uh, good, but those are pretty strong chicken tenders. They're there. strong, but I mean, tender, though, I get it. I mean, nugget I've, game at Chick Fil A. It's not a tender game. It's a nugget game. It's the nugget nuggets. Game. And if you want to if you want to change it up at all, you get the chicken minis in the morning. It's a nugget wrapped in this gorgeous little shiny yeast roll that is fucking fantastic. <laughs> Jesus, man, I'm just that sounds so good. I can't. I'll that. take. I'll take a couple nugget yeast rolls, please. Yes, <laughs> thank you. Absolutely, they are satisfaction. Oh man, that, you are fucking Mister Chick Fil A. I don't even go that often, but I, it's fantastic. I mean, when I see it, it's one of the only fast food spots I will even consider getting something out of a window. And I I'll mean, give a I work for the yeah, listeners. I'll give it's a hack definitely for the better. Listeners. I think fast food wise, it's I think it's it's a better option. I feel like the food quality is better than going like a McDonald's or a Wendy's or a Burger King. So for that, I definitely I'm I've just I ate, I've eaten there so much. I think I'm kind of I'm burnt out. I'm not saying it's overrated. I think I'm personally a burnout on it because I've I've eaten it so much, but it is better quality food than than any other fast food restaurant, in my opinion. And, and a quick hack, Jay, and this may re, reinstate you because I get it. I'm burnt out, too. I eat, I eat on the road so often. However, if a Chick-fil-A and McDonald's and Taco Bell and Burger King and all that shit standing in the same row, you're only going to Chick-fil-A. It is what it is. But let I me mean, give a hack to the I went to Chick-fil-A today at the airport. Here we go. See, this, what are we talking about? So, <laughs> But I did morning, want Wendy's. I did want Wendy's and I couldn't find it. You notice I didn't list Wendy. <laughs> I, I do like a good Dave's double. Uh, but at the end of the day, in the mornings, listeners, go get the chicken biscuit and tell them to add pickles. They'll look at you funny, but they have oh. those fucking pickles. You tell them to put it on that biscuit. That is it good. Change, it'll change your life. That is good. That is really good. You're right. hundred percent. I've definitely done that. I don't know what to say. <laughs> he was right though. You can't, you can't say Chick-fil-A is overrated and say you get a Cobb salad. You can't. Well, I mean, it's, well, one, because I don't like, I don't eat fast food. Like I really just don't, yeah. you know, I'm not going to say I'm like, I eat the hell this in the world. Cause I definitely do not, but I try to avoid fast food. And so that's my way of eating somewhat healthy at a fast food place, but I've had enough but Chick-fil-A. Check, check the calorie count on that Cobb salad. I know it's probably not that great, but it, you know what? <laughs> I hope you put it's, ranch on it too. It's like Butch Harmon telling Ricky Fowler, "You look, your swing looks great." When it really doesn't, it, you know, it's it appears healthy to me, even though it really isn't. Okay. Hey, so a salad at Chick Fil A, man, it's good for you. <laughs> it's it's just it's okay, guys. It's good. It, it's good. 
Something can be good and overrated at the same time. Sure. It's it's good. It's just massively overrated because the crowds I see at Chick-fil-A's on every Chick-fil-A in the country is stupid. And I've gone on this rant on this podcast before. Uh, what the fuck does everyone else know, right? Like, what are they thinking? All these motherfuckers. It, they're, they're they're trying to say the same thing like oh i've heard the oh well it's, it's healthier than mcdonald's no it's not it's a fucking fried chicken sandwich on a soggy bun people like it's not like we're talking that 20 calories soggy. Difference. Nah, it's that pretty back. soggy usually you take that back <laughs> they, they do throw a shit ton of butter on those on those yeah rolls it's the biscuits in the morning i mean those things are buttered up like i mean like a lot but it's good as shit but it's healthier okay <laughs> Hey, the chicken burrito is not too bad either. Those are cut up yeah. chicken nuggets inside of that. <laughs> anyway, so basically, yeah, yeah. we go to Chick Fil A. According to McLean, you only get the chicken nuggets because that's what they're good at, and you get no, the that, that's fries, the key. But it does depend on what time of the day it is. You can mix it up in the morning. There are three options it's in the what morning. What form that do you want the chicken nuggets applicable. in? No, it, yeah. like I said, three options in the morning that are applicable. You can get a chicken biscuit, add pickles. You can get the chicken minis. Or you can get the chicken burrito if you really want to change stuff up, but that's that's like dire dire straits. You that's you when you're to, really feeling crazy. That's when you really just <laughs> like I'm just changing it up. I've been here way too often. We're going chicken burrito today. Do you do sausage? No, you don't do sausage because it's not fucking sausage fillet. It's Chick Fil A. You get the chicken burrito. <laughs> Amen. There we go. God, I'm gonna buy you a Chick Fil A T-shirt. I'll wear it on the way to get my chicken nuggets. <laughs> you, need to, you need to be, you know, those commercials they have where they like sit on the couch with someone, like one of the employees talks to one of the, like the customers. You need to be in one of those commercials. Buddy, you know, that's my go-to is the Chick-fil-A <laughs> nugget tray. When I'm on the road, I need to stop and pick something up quick and drop it off to an account. You get a Chick-fil-A nugget. Yeah, tray. there you go. There's the whole, there's the whole accepted. bit. I order a hundred, deliver 94 and it's fantastic. Yeah. We're going to get you the commercial. Yeah, testimonial commercial where they talk about and you get the big sauces, you get the big ass sauces. <laughs> I was in a pinch. I was driving to go try to kiss ass to a golf pro, and I needed something to sweeten the pot, so I and stopped they, and Sharon helped. Through. Sharon well, helped me true, behind the counter with true a platter. story. True story for all golf pros that have ever delivered a Chick Fil A tray to <laughs> nine of those chicken nuggets went missing on the way over. I'm just <laughs> saying. Oh shit! Uh, yeah. uh, that's funny. <laughs> I'm watching one of those commercials now. So bad. Every every now I see one, every time from now on when I see one of those commercials, I'm just gonna think of you. I want you on that couch. I've, I've got time. <laughs> I, I can be bought. We know you can be bought. That's a fact. All right. Um, where were we? Somehow we got. Oh, CJ, that got us there. Yeah, CJ doing food and Costco, and you know, speaking of Costco. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> please, please be kidding. So, yeah, PJ Tour schedule changes uh, are happening. Uh, we're looking forward to it, and we'll see. I, I don't know if every player is going to be at every single one of these events. Uh, I'm kind of questioning that. If that's one- real life, I mean, that's reality. We're not going to see every player at every single event. We may see more at some different venues that we historically yeah. haven't seen because they might not match up. And as Kevin Kisner has said before, they pay a hell of a lot for 20th place. So I think you're going to see more of those players, which I think will lead to better fields. 
But at the end of the day, you're still going to have guys that don't play for whatever reason. You're still going to have the top players in the world meet their minimums and play elsewhere and collect some checks where, you know, it makes the most sense monetarily. You know, these appearance fees have been paid forever for guys going over and playing overseas and playing minimal events. I don't think we're going to see that necessarily change. It may look a lot different in the future with the new current landscape of golf, but you're still going to see the best players play in a minute. You're not going to see some JM numbers. You're not going to see the guys all of a sudden start playing 25 and 30 events. I, no. I well, that's kind of what, you know, John Rom's been a little, excuse me, a little hesitant to these changes, you know, cause when you do the numbers, it's 13 of these elevated events plus the four majors plus three other non-elevated events is 20 on the PGA tour that these guys are quote unquote committed to now where the previous commitment was, I guess it was 19. It was 15 and four, but then he's like, well, how am I also going to try to play enough rider um, European tour events to get rider cup points to qualify for the European team. And so, you know, now you're talking him playing 25, 26, events in a year that's that's a lot for him so we'll we'll see you know i also don't know if it's really in their bylaws that the pga tour can force these guys to play it if it's really just a, a handshake deal that they have made you know in conjunction to help kind of you know strengthen the tour and fend off live but so speaking of live Brooks Kepka wins a meaningless meaningless event in Saudi Arabia <laughs> behind the gated guarded walls at the Royal Greens golf course or whatever the hell it's called. That club did look to be well funded. Yeah, no one was there either, so it keeps the ground really nice. Every every all the footage I saw it was fucking empty. But what do you make? Kepka wins again. I don't know what to make of these things. Like I said last week, what does a what does a live golf win mean? I don't know. I don't know what it watch, means. I didn't watch any of it. It was on a worse time frame than Japan was. Yeah, it was another bad time frame. It's hard to tune in. Um, um, Ralph and I watched it during the conference. <laughs> we of course, you did. Next yeah, we did. We watched. We tried to watch Kepka do the uh, or finish off the playoff. But yeah, we got a little bit of a little bit of golf in. Um, yeah, I mean we. Again, it was this, it's the same course that uh, um, hosted Saudi International. Yeah, well, uh, shoot, what's his name? Won last year, Harold Varner the third. Harold Varner when he made that crazy, crazy long putt yeah. from the front of the green. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, the course looks incredible. The greens look lightning fast. Like I felt like it, it looked like guys putting could put it off a green in a second. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I get it. I mean, I it, it it's still it's tough to, to give it any type of, um, you know, there's no verification for anything. It's like, okay, you know, it's a lot of money, but that's been, but I mean, again, we got to expect that if it's a, it's a new, it's a new tour. I mean, they're, they're, there's not, they're not going to build up the history yet. You know, they just, it's, it's going to take time for that to become relevant. I know that, you know, one of the topics is the Saudis are trying to come up with their own, their own majors, which I think is, I get why they're trying to do it because they're trying to create a draw and, and add some, um, some meaning to the events, but I don't see how, I don't see how that's going to stick. I mean, the reason these, these, the tournaments are, are considered majors in in the, you know, c- the current world of golf is because they've been around for a hundred years or, you know, almost, 
Uh, man, I don't, the, the Masters started in what thirty? Was in the thirties, forties? Yeah, it was thirty. Early, late four. Late, I think it was yeah. thirty four. Was the first yeah. one. So I mean, we're we're that's the you know, and then the PGA Championship, obviously. But I mean, they, they've been around for a long time, you know. So that's that's why they're important. Um, and I, it's good. I get why they're trying to do that. Um, they're they're trying to you know validate the tour and and give some meaning to it. But it, it, it's gonna that take forever. Uh, to well, I think up, the- you know, make. I think the bigger takeaway is that we got a glimpse into a rare side of Brooks. Um, you know, he's been dealing with more struggles than he's led on. I think some of us have anticipated that there was something there. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, he got a little emotional out of it. I think he he had some self-doubt that we didn't know necessarily existed. You know, he likes to put up that tough guy facade and kind of act like shit doesn't matter and that it doesn't bother him. But I think he showed with this win, and especially in the post-round interview, that this does mean something to him. He can act like that as much as he wants to, but it does mean something to him. Golf still does. Winning still does. And playing still does. So what the practice schedules currently look like for DJ and Brooks Kepka with these you know, guaranteed contracts and everything, I don't know. But I've got a... I've got a feeling that there's still a competitive edge there. And these guys are playing more, maybe more recreational golf, but I think they're still grinding. I think they still want to be competitive and still remain in that spotlight to a certain degree to justify their decision to move over there. So we'll, we'll see where it goes from here. Yeah. It was interesting to see him kind of almost get kind of semi choked up there for a second on the 18th green in the interview with that terrible announcer, whatever that guy's name is. Uh, a guy's awful. That Don guy, he's bad, bad. My daughter could do a better job announcing golf. Oh, by the way, funny story about my my daughter. Real fast, we we're driving to school yesterday morning, and the girls were really quiet in the back seat. There was just some music on, and my youngest, Amelia, five years old, in kindergarten, she goes, "Hey, Daddy, can you put on your podcast? I want to listen to it." And I was like, uh, no, I said, we, you know, we say some bad words on there and I just don't want you to hear that. And she goes, oh, okay. And then two, three, four minutes goes by and she's just quiet. And then she goes, maybe next time you can use nice words and I can listen to it. (laughs) Real straightforward. I was like, yeah, probably not though, but (laughs) you know, your dad at all. Uh, away from you guys he's got a pretty bad mouth so <laughs> sorry but, uh anyways one of the points i i had i saw this list so somebody put out the prize money right so this was the last individual event live has for this season the seventh event and they put out the season-long money list including the bonuses for first second and third so DJ was first. He won $18 million bonus for being first in the individual. Brennan Grace was second. He won an $8 million bonus. And then number third is the reason. one of the reasons I think this is all a sham. Peter Uline was third. He came in third on the, on the season-long point list, was third overall in money at $11.3 million. Peter Uline is a fringe PGA Tour player. This is a guy that started his career on the European Tour, came over and has bounced back and forth on the PGA Tour and live. 
And now all of a sudden you're telling me this guy made $11.3 million on the golf course. His golf game is not worth $11.3 million. That's like paying the punter $25 million a year. Someone you can pick up off the street to punt the football for your football team. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I he's get, a four a player. If you look at the current status, yes. But again, this is the first year. They're not going to have the, all the, the top players playing yet. I mean, they're, they're getting, they're getting some of the top players, but they're not getting it. The field is definitely not as deep as PGA tour. There's no question. Um, so yeah, you're, you're definitely right, but it, there, there's no way they're going to get all these guys in the, in the first year. I it's understand gonna, that, but yeah. Well, and I think some of that's by design. You know, they want to make it attractive for players to come over because if if it's if it's me and I'm looking at it in that from that perspective, and I'm a guy who had a very successful career on the PGA Tour, a very successful year on the PGA Tour, and I made six million dollars, and I know I'm a much better player than Peter Uline, and I can go double my money if not True. do even more. It's Maybe marketing that makes it more attractive for me. Maybe that's one of the reasons that I'm even considering this tour. I mean, I think some of that is by design from the, um, you might be right. Live tour. Yeah. You, I could see a couple players, you know, to that, to that, to that note, looking at me like, Hey, Peter, Uline just won 11 point, whatever million dollars. Like that guy never beat me one time on the PGA tour. Like if he's going to make that much money, so am I. See ya. I'm out of here. You know, that, that's exactly my point. And I think yeah. that's something that they're trying to do. I mean, look, you could say the same thing about the top talents that they've paid. I mean, Phil Mickelson's not worth $150 million at this point without question. And oh, no. it made it, he, he carved the way being one of the first ones to go. And it kind of carved the way for these other guys to jump on board and take their big checks. Say, well, shit, if Phil's getting 150, what are they going to throw at me? 125. All right, I'm gone. You yeah. know, and, and now it's on a much lower number as we all understand. I mean, over time, these, Guaranteed contracts are going to get smaller because they're not going to need them near as much. And yeah. as the product keeps getting better, we're going to see some shifts. But there's still opportunity for a lot of players that fall into that Peter Uline category to still make some good money and know that they can potentially have a much higher um, ceiling. Yeah, it it just I get your points and they're they're valid. It, it just for you know again a guy like me who really hates this thing. <laughs> no one can tell it. It just is another point. Like, what are we doing here? This is exhibition, and Peter Uline's making eleven point three. He's not a good golfer. Like, what? What is this? Like, if he can make eleven point three, then it's not real competition in my mind. Like, I mean, he went into a playoff, a three-hole playoff with Brooks Kepka, and I mean, it's not like he's not playing good golf. I mean, no, but he's had years. We're talking years of PGA Tour golf. The guy yeah. is a fringe guy. He can't. Would keep his you card. be saying the same thing if he just broke through on the PGA Tour? But still, it's not eleven point three million dollars. Like my only my only point that I'm making is leave the money aside for a second. Just talk competition here. Is that we see a lot of players suddenly make a name for themselves on the PGA Tour? You're right. Yep. They start playing well, and all of a sudden they they become someone who we're much more familiar with. I think this is a similar situation to where, you know, he yes, he is playing in live tour events. Yes, it's a different quality of field. Yes. There's a lot of things that we could go on and and keep making that. I think it, it comes down to me just I hating live golf. Yeah, I hate live golf, but that's <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think 
I don't think the competition is the same. That's why I don't treat it as equal. I don't treat I don't, this as a breakout. I don't, I don't treat Peter Uline's season at Live Golf as a breakout PGA Tour season. It's not equatable in my mind because I don't think the competition's there. I have used what I have yeah, gathered no. out of facts to make my right. opinion that this competition's not even close to the same. And of there course, was, ah. of course, it's not. Yeah, it's not. I mean, there's, it's not as deep. I mean, there's, the, they don't have as many players yet. You know, uh, and there's, it's, the field size is smaller, so it's, it's obviously going to be more condensed. I mean, no question. Um, you've only got, and it's one know, day, and it's one day less. Could he do it for a fourth round? He put three, get, yeah. three good rounds together. Can he put a fourth good round together? Yeah, no question. You, you know, know, I, I, I I'm, I'm, I'm all about. You know, I, I, I do like four round tournaments. I think the more golf, the better. You know, like. It, when they shortened Q school from four rounds or six rounds to four rounds, like I, that, I didn't like that. Like I, I was like more holes, the better, the cream rises to the top. So I, yeah. I'm, I, I agree hundred percent. I, I wish, I hope that they move to a four round tournament. Um, the, you know, can figure out the things that you're doing well, that people like, I think that it's the, the shotgun start thing is kind of intriguing. I think it's a little weird sometimes with the, the holes and how it falls on, uh, within the, within the tournament. Uh, but I, I do think there's something cool about everyone finishing at the same time. It adds a little bit more buzz, the last three for holes. Um, so there's something to it, but the thing that I, I don't think that viewership, uh, would prefer it to be more, more holes. I think, I don't know. I'd say that again, I'm, I'm not, spe- I don't want to speak for everybody else, but people want to see more golf. They want to see more good golf. And, you know, if they had a, a one day exhibition, there's just it's almost like too much luck involved. But if we've got a four day yeah. tournament or a six day tournament like a Q school, it's like, oh, I'm really going to see who's playing the best golf. So I'm, I'm in a total agreement there with with more more rounds. And and I think if they could bump up the the size of the field, even if they just went to like a 72, um, a 72 man field, you know, that would be more golf, even if they you know, didn't have a cut. I mean, I, I do think that cut is there's something to be said for making a cut. Well, a and part of the, part of the 48, <clears throat> I, I don't know what, like what, when they were planning this tour, <clears throat> if their first thing was 48 or their first thing was the shotgun. I have a feeling it was the shotgun because that's why they only have 48 players. Cause when you do threesomes, you can only have so many groups on the golf course at the same time. Yeah. You know, you're yeah. not going to have, 13 B out there. Like you do at a, yeah. a charity outing on a Monday, we have at the club, you know? Well, I think the no cut situation was to try and make it more of a draw for the players to guarantee more money. I mean, I think yeah, there, sure. there's ways you look at a, a lot of this, but I think that especially initially, and there's no reason that they can't institute a cut at some point, whatever it yeah. looks like once participation gets there. So at, at the way we sit right now, I think it's, we're looking at a, a, the initial business plan. We haven't seen a ton of things change away from it, but I think the biggest thing that they were trying to accomplish was participation. Um, They've generated that to a certain degree and kudos to them for being able to do so. I think what we will see in the next few years will dictate what ends up changing with the format as it, as it relates to participation, because if you can all of a sudden guarantee having, you know, however many number of top players out there now you can start to reinstitute some of that stuff and it doesn't you don't have to make it as attractive to try and gain participation so one of the things that i think i said last week i I said i wanted these guys to just go away and stop talking because of all the dumb comments they make i think last week in my mass hole minute was on 
DeChambeau and, and Norman. This week, there was a couple more. But see, now the thing is, when they do speak, though, they say such dumb things. I get a good chuckle out of it. So I kind of want them to keep doing it. You like it. it. You like you know? it. It's entertaining, dude. It's entertaining. Like fucking Mickelson this week. So they ask him. He's back in. Okay. He's in Saudi Arabia that he called these guys a scary motherfuckers for all their human rights things and dealing with them. Right. He makes those those quotes to Alan Shupnuck and then says they were, you know, supposed to be off the record or not. Uh, you know. They're taking out of context. Wait, do, do you like this dude? Who? Shipnuck or whatever his name I, is. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't s- think. I, the, the more I read about this guy and the, his comments, he seems like a, sorry, a fucking twerp to me. And sorry, yeah, I, I can see I, that. It's, it's like, you're, 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 are you trying to just disrupt? Because that's that's what it looks like to me. Like, it's well, like his so goal is to he, disrupt. I don't I don't think he is. So, the, I mean, the whole backstory with, with Shipnuck is he's, he worked – for a year doing this book on Phil Mickelson and he called him and called him and was, was requesting interviews to sit down and talk to him for the book. And Mickelson denied, denied, denied. And then out of the blue one day, he texts him like, are you free? I want to talk. So Shipnuck was like, sure, I'll talk to you. Of course, I'm writing a book about you. I've asked you to talk multiple times. And they had this conversation. Yeah. And, Mickelson this week says, I never did an interview. Like, dude, the guy writing a biography about you, you called him. You yeah. called the guy writing a biography about you. What did you think was going to fucking happen? Yeah, no, 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 Phil Mickelson's a knucklehead. There's no question about it. Uh, but I, I I don't know. It, it, so and then I saw I just, follow, I follow just, Shipnuck on on um, <laughs> Twitter and he posted something this week that said the three juiciest items that he has confirmed about Phil Mickelson are not in the book. And he said that it would be international news if they were out in the public. So he made it sound like he has even way bigger, more dirt on Phil and didn't put it in the book and held it back, but he could have, if he wanted to. Yeah. So well, that's, that's, that. I mean, again, by but just by him saying that, it's like, hey, everyone look at me. I, I Watch me, watch me, watch me. Yeah, I can see that, that with Alan. Yeah. And, and it kind of gets, it's like, it, I don't know. The, the couple little clips that I've seen stuff, it's like he's, it's more about, hey, pay attention to me and, and what, you know, it, it, you know, <laughs> He reminds me of fucking Ian Rappaport with, with, with uh, the, the NFL. NFL network. Like, yeah, it's like, God, the, that guy's just like, it's like it's not about reporting the news, delivering the news. Like, hey, I, I I've got connections. This is the news. It's more about like, look at me, watch me, watch me, watch me. Not no, chef is the same content. Way. Yeah, yeah, it's same thing. Yeah, and it, yeah. I just I don't know. I just get I get it gets old. Well, I think like, part of it in the journal the, the, in the journalism stuff. world, everyone's got to be the first to break the news or get the dirt and like even if it's wrong. And I hate that. Like that, I hate that more than anything. Get your shit straight. Get your facts right. Because the way that the, the society is now with social media, I mean, you're you're guilty before proven innocent. And that's that's shitty. Yeah. You know, it's like once you once you spread it on social media, it's it it it's gold. That's it. That's what happened. And then it takes it takes a lifetime to try to fix that. And I don't think that's right. Like it, and there's no repercussion for it. Like you can report. You, it's, I mean, it, you're right. And it is the, that's the way it is. And it's, it's, I don't, I think it's terrible. It's like you can slander somebody one time and say the wrong thing 
you know, misinform. And now this person, no matter what, no matter what you do, no matter what apology you give, that comment has hit has hit media and everyone sees it that way. And most of the time they're, they're not going to go back and look at your apology and your correction. Um, that's the way people view that person or the, or the person. Yeah, made this I see that. And, it, and it's, I mean, I don't know how, I don't know how to fix it, honestly. I mean, I, I think it's tough because it's, you know, everyone always claims freedom of speech and, and they can say what they want to say and how they feel. And uh, I, I get it, but you know, there's gotta be some, something needs to be, tightened up with it especially with the way um how quickly you can reach people with through social media and internet and so forth you know before is like you print something in the paper it's like you could you know that area read the paper um and you could you could try to come back and, and give your comments of apology and 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 make it right but now it just hits so many people so quickly um but anyway i i just i don't think that some of the journalists they they're held accountable um, with some of the comments. I, I agree with that. As it relates to Shipmuck, he can, I, I think he's a very good journalist in the golf world. He's probably a little bit more, a little more harsh and critical. I, I mean, one of my issues. Opinionated. With, yeah. He's more. Yeah. I think one of my issues with a lot of the golf media over the years is they're almost afraid to say anything or challenge yeah. any of the players that much. Um, more so than like you know you in the NFL. I mean, reporters are challenging coaches and players all the time. You just don't see that. I, I guess the, the culture is a little bit different in that well, world. They're forced to give interviews, forced to make themselves available for press and other sports. Whereas the golf world's not like that. Yeah, they have they have optional media presence. Now, is it frowned upon to not make yourself available? And do they talk about that? Sure. Most of the time, you see it happen after a bad round or, or a guy puts himself in a bad spot. Um, and it's normally just the top players that they end up wanting the, you know, the take from anyways. Um, but in golf, they aren't forced to have that time. I mean, the famous uh, interview with Marshawn Lynch, I'm just here. So I won't get fine. Yeah. I'm just here. So, you well, know, and I, I also, I guess my, my thing too, is uh, again, coming from, from Boston, we have a ruthless media that lets nothing go and challenges anyone. I mean, you're talking a city that's had a lot of success recently and they're challenging Belichick and they used to challenge Brady. And so I don't, I just haven't seen that in the golf world. So that's why I don't mind Shipnuck because he doesn't mind to, to push it a little bit harder and call, call out someone's bullshit a little bit, but I get what you're, I completely get what you're well, saying, Jay. This, this is the, the, the only thing that um, this is the one problem that I have with this. Um, you, you take, you know, journalists, I'm not a journalist, but, you take journalists who are great with words. They're great with questions. They're great with manipulating questions. They're great with manipulating words. And now you take an athlete, and I'm, I'm not trying to. You take some some of these athletes in the NFL, NBA, even golf. You know, all the major sports. Some of these guys are great at being athletes. They're not great with words. They're not great with. They're not articulate, and that's fine. You don't have to be. But now you put them in a situation. I'm forced to answer your stupid fucking questions and you're trying to set me up and make me look like an idiot i don't i have a problem with that i don't like that like hey i play sports that's what i'm good at like don't make me sit here and answer these dumb 
questions where you're trying to trick me into saying and, and saying something stupid. Like that's the problem I have. If you want to ask a legit question and you're really trying to dig in and find some uh, what what was going on, what were you thinking when this happened during this play? You know what 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 was what was what transpired? That's one thing. <clears throat> Don't try to set me up and, and twist twist words to put me in a bad spot. Like I don't I don't like that. Like if you if you're gonna make me go do these interviews like the NFL, the NBA, and the MLB does, um, and but and like yet you're gonna give these these uh, journalists uh, the free reign to come in and try to twist things around and make me look like an idiot. That that's I don't like that. I think that's stupid. Like yeah. I would do the same thing as Marshawn Lynch did too. I was like, hey, dude, this is not my thing. I'm here because. They're telling me I need to be here, you know, and you're going to sit here and try to make me look like an idiot. I'm not going to answer your dumb questions, you know, and I, and not all of them, not all journalists like that. There's some great ones that do a really good job and they understand the sport and they really want to pull the information out to try to explain um, well, you know, the inner workings of what, what's going on behind the scenes. Um, and that's the cool part. Like when you can a good interviewer can ask the right questions and, and get these players to open up and talk a little bit about what they were thinking in a certain moment or the strategy, that stuff's cool. But when you're, when you're trying to dig dirt on somebody and make them look like an idiot, I, I, I hate that. It's just, I, it makes me want to turn the TV off or the radio off. Yeah. I, I, I get all that. Yeah. I mean, that's also why all these teams hell like again, from where I'm from the Patriots, I mean, Belichick puts these guys essentially through a media oh, yeah. tra- training program. And he says, you say nothing. You, <laughs> yeah. you say yeah. nothing and people always give Belichick shit for saying nothing because of the, the way he does it. But if you listen to Tom Brady for 20 years, he said nothing ever. And he still says nothing. He just says it in more Eloquently. words and more eloquently, but you pretty much get nothing from Tom Brady. Yeah. Tom, Michael Jordan was the same way. They just kind of would, they would, the question, you know, they're taught and I'd say they, but they're they're definitely taught to when the question is presented to you, you kindly respond and answer the way that you want to answer. Um, and if you if you want to be a jerk, then they're probably going to be a jerk back to you. But if you say, you know, whatever the question is, you just you kind of shift and answer it to the way that you want to answer it and move it, move it to um, the items that you want to talk about. And then everyone knows that you're dodging the question. But they're, you know, they can't get really mad at you because you, you, and Tiger did that too. Tiger was the king of that, you know. Um, but it's a way to kind of be like, hey, I'm not going to be a jerk. I'm going to answer your question. I'm not going to go tell you to F off, but I'm going to answer it. But I'm going to answer the way that I want to answer it. And I may not answer your question 100%, but that's okay because you asked a dumb question um, or a question that you were, it was a provoking question. Um, you know, if you can tell that I've got, <laughs> I've got a little, little built up animosity yeah you get a lot yeah yeah i don't i just it it bothers me because i think there's so many good reporters and journalists out there and they're the ones that get screwed in this whole thing um and i'm not against that at all obviously we're doing a a, a golf podcast and so we're essentially we're, we're we're kind of in the same realm here but there are so many really good reporters that do ask the right questions and do try to dig up the right amount of information and then there's some that are just lazy and they're just about I say lazy and uh, because they just want to, I want to be the first. I want to try to catch them off guard and make them look like an idiot. That's dumb. I hate that. I think that's stupid. Yeah. And I would never answer a question. If somebody came to me with some of the stupid questions that I see on TV, I'm like, I, I, you should just say, Hey man, I'm not answering that. It's the dumbest question I've ever heard. Like <laughs> next person, you know? Yeah. And I think it's okay for them to get kind of snooty with some of these people. Like get this guy out of here. Like you should take his media credentials away. This idiot, idiot, idiot. Yeah. I get it. I get it. Mickelson is still wrong. 
He's still a dumbass. <laughs> Mickelson's a man. He's kind of an idiot. Hey, maybe don't call the guy doing a biography on you. Maybe yeah, well, I mean, yeah, no question. You know, no question. And, and if and if you want it off the record, maybe you should say you want it off the record and not just start talking yeah. and just having. Or diet. if you want it off the record, don't say it. Or just don't fucking say it. Like, call somebody else. If you want to just vent about stuff, call somebody else. Call your mother and vent about the PGA Tour and the scary motherfuckers that you're getting ready to to leverage against the PGA Tour. Maybe you shouldn't choose the guy writing a book about you. (laughs) That's a good point. You you think a guy who's been on the PGA Tour for 30 years and has talked to all kinds of media would understand this. Yeah. You know? But anyway, so the the other chuckle I got out of the Live Golf, the the CEO of Golf Saudi who basically, I guess he's Norman's boss. This guy works for the head of the PIF, um, the public investment fund of Saudi Arabia, who works directly for MBS, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia. So this guy, I forget his name. I probably would mispronounce it anyways. He did an interview for the New Yorker. And he, you had mentioned it earlier, Jay. He had said that, well, if the, you know, if the, the whispers of the masters are going to ban these guys. And if they can't get in the majors, I'm just going to start my own majors for these guys. Like, what does that mean? Like, yeah. instead of a $25 million purse, it's going to be a $50 million purse. Okay. It's going to be the same exact product you already put out. It's not a major just because you say it's a major. Like, yeah, there's no history sorry. there. But the craziest part wasn't even that. It came out that two years ago when they were putting all this together, they thought to ask Augusta National, they wanted to rent out the Augusta National Clubhouse for a meet and greet. <laughs> I'm sure Augusta was like, yeah, sure, go for it. <laughs> they just thought, you. Th- these guys know like nothing about golf, I guess. They thought you could just rent out the Augusta National Clubhouse to have a meet and greet with the Saudi Arabian government. So you can come play in our golf tour. Like, and someone had to tell him like, that's not, not how, how this that works. works. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. That is funny. I was, and that doesn't surprise I, me at all. I was like, wow, these guys are dumber than I thought. <laughs> they just got a lot of money though. They have a lot of money. They got a lot of money. So anyway, that's enough of my, my live bashing. But again, I, I, I wish they would just go away. But if they're going to say dumb shit, I will laugh at it and make fun of it. Look, I don't think there's anyone sure. that when you read that didn't find a little humor there because you just you just look at it. You, exactly what you just said. That's just not how that works. You just can't create a major. You, you can you can create a, a another golf event and pay a shit ton more. And I'm sure you'll, get, you'll fill up the field without question. But it's just not how that's not how it works. Yeah, no. Yeah, you don't the majors like if if that's the if that's the way that you know it was, then there would be plenty of uh, of events throughout the tour schedule that were like, hey, I'm just gonna bump our purse up to X amount because we want to be a major. Like, yeah, uh, it, I mean, hell, money thing. The PJ Tour's been trying to get the players to be considered a major essentially for years, and it not yeah. you know, so it's poor. It's you know, it honestly is close. I I, I would, in my opinion. I honestly think that it. I think in the next ten years, I think they're gonna they're gonna consider it a major. I, I I think with all this stuff going on with with the live tour and other tours, I think they're gonna. That's this is a way to try to boost a little bit more. What do you the, do with previous winners? You give it. You give them a major. Like hey, hey you got a major now. Great. Oh, you what's know? that put? One, one, one? Where, does, where does that put Tiger's total to? 
He's only won twice. Twice. So that right. Puts his major. It puts his total to 17. 17. But Jack won the players. Well, they didn't come up with the players until they the didn't come up with the players. Yeah. Well, sorry, Jack. You didn't play when that was a big event. Tiger did. Um, I don't That's know. I, I, I think it's, I, I think it's kind of cool. I mean, it would, it would be a shift, but I, I, it would not surprise me. It's getting to the point where, I mean, it is the best field in golf. Why is it not a major? It is the best field in golf. There's not a, no question. There's no other field that you play on. That's that good. So the, the world golf ranking says otherwise. I what do they say? And the last time I looked at it, this was a couple of months ago when I was diving into the world golf rankings. I think they say it's the third best. As opposed to what? They had the PGA at number one and they had That's uh, bullshit. The PGA has got 30, they got 30 fucking PGA pros. Nothing against PGA careful, pros. Careful what you say. <laughs> careful what you say. I, I saw that coming. I mean, I saw I'm being honest. Coming. No, so they have but 20. It's the truth. I mean, there's, there's nothing 20. against, I, there's, there's great PGA pros, great PGA pros. I mean, there a lot of them are great no, players, no, but they're I, not, I understand they're not that. player. They're not PGA tour players. I, I get that. So what I think what, the players doesn't have that the PGA does is the P the players is just a PGA tour event. So it doesn't factor in the top guys from the European tour that don't have dual membership. Sure. But I mean, how, so they're that, saying well, when those, again, when the world, when those guys the world get into, rankings, well, the world golf rankings, which you talked about is flawed. Like we're, we're giving way too many points to the European tour because those guys are not, not anymore. playing. Not anymore. Not anymore. But I'm, I'm saying, if the, if, the, if the changes are reflected in the future years, this will be, it should be, and will be the top event. Uh, yeah, in the we'll world. see. So I, in U.S. Open was ahead of, of the players, too, if I last. That's that's false, too. I would have thought U.S. Yeah. Open would have been number one. I think I mean, how many amateurs, how many amateurs do you have that that playing? I mean, I'm, I'm just no, but it's it's more for the qualifying metric. Yeah, no, the, the the guys qualify, but I, that's fine. I think that's great. But I, if you just look at the strength of field, you you've got it, at least. I mean, every I, year, fifteen I'm to twenty you. to thirty I, amateurs. How are the how are how are, how are how are fifteen amateurs better than the top? You know, seven one hundred seventy five players in the world. Obviously, I mean, not obviously you're only going to get however many one fifty six in that field. But you've at any given moment you got guys that are always ranked in the top 200 and then you've got 20 amateurs that that strength of field can't be the same it can be i'm trying to find it and i probably shouldn't be doing this uh, you know live but i was trying to find this um strength of field rating on the on the uh, owgr um well i mean but uh, again like even if it's one, two, three, the Masters is one of the lowest, lowest ranked fields, and they play all year, and it's a major. No, that's, Obviously, that's higher up there too than you would think. That's that's like top ten. It's in the top ten again. Now this was eighty. This 80, was probably before. This was probably before. Doesn't factor in how they change the strength of field ratings because they're now rating everyone in the field. So you're right that these will probably change as we look at them in 2023 because they're just looking at the top players in the in the field. And that's yeah. why that's it's why flawed. the DP World Tour and the Asian Tour were getting too many points because they were just ranking the top 200 guys, guys in the top 200 of the world ranking. So that's yeah. why they have changed it. And that's why they said in 2018 they were going to do a review to change it or maybe it was 2019 they enacted those changes in august so we haven't seen the 
the true strength of field rating that the OWGR has ranked these majors because it happened after all the majors. So yeah. we'll see where I, that I shakes would, out. Yeah. I would think that the players would be – it would and should be the top-ranked event, um, in my opinion. I mean, I, there's I, there's no way that you can put a field together of 90 players at the Masters, uh, 15 of which are old, washed-up pros that don't play anymore. You've got six amateurs. You've got guys who've never played in that tournament before because they won one, one event. I mean, there's no possible way that the strength of field can be as, as strong as 156 guys that are competitive playing on the PGA Tour. There's just no way. But I agree. Uh, um, we'll see. I, I, I can't, I, I can't I, find I, it. I'm right excited now. that they made the changes, though, because I think, I think uh, again, I think that the, the, the players should be. It should be a major at some point. It's just the the, the field is too strong. I, the golf course is, is what it the is. The golf course is the golf course is pretty hard too. It's so hard. Gonna... It, it, and no one, it's not. It doesn't set up for one type of player, which is what makes it awesome. Like you, it's it's one year you have a guy who drives it straight. The next year you have a guy who bombs it. The next year you have a guy who's just got a great short game. I mean, it just doesn't lend itself to one specific type of player which I think is great. Like that makes it fun to watch. You just, everybody, you've got 156 guys who could win. That's, I mean, that's incredible. All right. So here's, here's the field rating. And again, I don't know. I think this is prior to this is, they haven't like went back retroactively Mm -hmm. and, and changed these. So this was as the, the system was set when it happened again, this system got changed in August after all these events. So the U S PGA championship was number one. The British Open was number two. The U.S. Open was number three. The Players' Championship was number four. The Masters was number five. I, I'm, it blows my mind that the Masters is even in the top ten, honestly. And that, that, that again, shows that the system is flawed. I could see... I could see the the British Open being up there because you've got a blend of of European guys and uh, you know U.S. players, and then obviously the PGA Championship. But again, I, I, you've got twenty PGA Tour pro or, or PGA pros, and again, I'm not I'm not saying they're not great players. I mean, the I guys who no, are you. great players. They are 100 percent great players, but they just don't play on. They just don't play in sanctioned events all the time. Yeah, so no, they don't I, I have get, any. I get that. They don't have any world ranking points. And like, so that'll I mean, probably dock the PGA championship a bunch in this new rating system. Now, as we look at and, it in 2023, and the same with the, the British open and the U S open, they have the same kind of setup. I mean, they both allow, you know, open qualifiers. It, there's no, yeah. Open qualifiers. So, I mean, any, you know, you could have five amateurs playing, you could have 25 amateurs playing in each one of those events. And well, and they both give exemptions to the British am champ, the USA exactly. champ, all that kind of stuff. Exactly. So, so as far as like other events, just kind of curious, and we'll get to our picks here um, for the CJ Cup here in a second. I I thought we had nothing to talk about tonight, and we're like an hour and twenty minutes in. So I love it, man. We just you never know when we're gonna go down a little rabbit hole. So the sixth rated event was the WGC uh, match play. Mm-hmm. Then you had the Genesis Invitational. Was we'll call that the first regular event because the, the WGC is. Bringing I mean, guys in from all over the world. You throw Tiger's name on any event, then you're going to get a good field. But and even that, had, that's a that's a limited field event. That's it's like 130. Yeah, those those, those are, invitationals are like 124. It, or a lot of it just has time. It has to do with the time of the year and the, the clocks turn back. They can't get 156 guys around. 
Yeah, well, this even like, but all the other invitationals, Bay Hill and um, the Memorial, they're also only like 120 something players. Yeah, yeah. So, but then you got uh, the Scottish Open was right behind that. Again, all these guys, that's co-station event, all these guys going yeah. over there. Then you have the Memorial. Then you have Bay Hill. Then you have the Century Tournament of Champions, which will go down. Well, in the new system, we'll go down a bunch because there's only 30 guys in the field. That'll get docked a bunch because there's only 30 yeah. guys. But now that field's going to get bigger because they're letting all the guys on the Tour Championship in. So so are they are they uh, capping that is it a minimum of 72 guys playing in that in that event or are they are they just saying whoever if you No, if so you it's just, it's still like if you qualify so if you're if you win you're in, you're in. or or if you win the tour championship you're in. So you could get, you know, 60 60 guys playing or you may Yeah, you could playing. you could only get 35 guys still if yeah. they don't want to put it on their schedule but yeah. you know. Gotcha. So anyways uh, and then then you know then you got Phoenix Open Farmers Insurance at Tory Pines. I, I do like that. Uh, I do like that Phoenix is part of this elevated, uh, elevated event. I mean, it is, it is. I mean, obviously, we talked about. I, I was out there this past year. You've been out there before, but what an what an incredible event! Like a viewing experience, though. Like if you're a part of the 16th hole, um, you can see so many, so many golf holes. Like right there. I mean, it's it. it it's pretty unique and it's, it should be, I would, I would love to have more of the top players play there and they don't. Um, and, and now they the, will the set of those that prior to now they will. And that's at least this year. I mean, at least this year. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure they're kind of, like you said, this is kind of a test run to see like which events, you know, uh, follow, follow through with this and, and, and the guys, how many guys come because of it's an elevated event. And if I'm sure they're kind of doing like a pilot series here over the next couple of years and, you know, if, if we've got the best uh, the best response from the waste management, and then we're going to come back to it, and we're going to make it a staple, and we're going to keep it an elevated event, uh, which would be cool to have. You know, I don't what what was the how, what was the number of how many elevated events that they want to have? I know that they said they've got well, there's thir- there's thirteen elevated events total when you factor total. in the playoffs, the WGC match play, Majors. the Century Tournament champions, the players. So actually, seventeen, including the majors. So, so how third, many how many regular season events will will be affected? So is it four or five? Well, so four new ones. I mean, they've elevated Genesis, they've elevated the Memorial, they elevated the Bay Hill, they've elevated the Century Tournament champions, the match play, um, the players, obviously. And you got these four. I'm missing a couple others. Well, then the three playoff <laughs> events and the three playoff. Yeah. Events. So that's 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 the thirteenth. So, but yeah, these four were the last edition that these, it sounds like these four will be the ones that will rotate around. The other nine events are kind of locked in as elevated. I, I, I love that. See, this is, this is why I like live golf. This is why I don't like live golf as much as I like the idea of live golf or another golf tour saying, Hey, you guys, can do better you can do better and the pj tour is responding correctly and they're doing better i think it's going to be awesome i think it's going to be awesome well yeah we'll see i'm i like it again i i, I like these changes it's they're heading in yeah. the right direction and yes live may be responsible for it um still, um, don't like, still don't like it but let's get let's get to our picks let's get do it for picks so we get the cj cup with a very strong field this week 
you know, we've we've kind of beat up a few of these events in the fall series here that just were pretty weak. But this week, you have guys like Roy McIlroy, John Rahm, JT, Victor Hovland, Scheffler, Shane Lowry, Tom Kim, Max Homa, Jordan Spieth, Keegan Bradley, you, you name it, Fitzpatrick, Thurl Hatton, Shane Lowry. I mean, I think I already said Shane. But um, some really, really big name guys, bunch of top 10 guys playing this week. Back at Congaree, like we said, long golf course, par 71. I can't remember what, what month of the year was the Palmetto Cup. I, it wasn't in the fall. No, it I was, think it was in the spring. Like was sometime spring? in the spring. Yeah. Yeah. So it's probably going to play a little bit different, I would assume. Yeah. You know, um, no, it was, it was, it was, uh, sorry, it was June. June, 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 okay. uh, June 10th to the 13th, 2021. So I'd have to think, you know, going from summer to fall, we'll change how this golf course plays. Hopefully it's a little bit, maybe a little firmer, but uh, I don't know what the weather's yeah. been like down there. So um, McLean just stepped away. So Jay, do you want to go first with your picks? Yeah, I'll, uh, I, I'm going to go ahead and say this out loud. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to win this week and I'm wow. going to win. I'm going to win handedly. I'm just going to throw that out there. Um, I'll, not only I'll when you're going to beat the piss out of us, I'm going to beat the piss out of all of you guys. Okay, I'm starting from the bottom. Uh, Seamus Power, Seamus finished, I think, in the top 20 here, uh, last year at this golf course. Uh, yes, he finished 19th, so he knows the golf course second time around, hits it long. He's a smasher at seven thousand dollars. Uh, again, just to reiterate the, the setup there, fifty thousand dollar budget. Um, you pick six players, um, and Seamus at, at 7,000 is on the lower end. Um, he hasn't, I mean, hasn't played, you know, super great as of late. I mean, he missed the cut at the uh, Shriners, but he, you know, finished 30th at the Sanderson Farms. And then I think before that, it was, um, it looks like Irish Open, but that was, you know, I'm sure he played in some events prior to that. But either way, Seamus hits it a long way. I think this is a great setup for him. He knows the golf course played there well last year. So, um, I think I think I could definitely see him uh, finish in the top twenty again, which would be all I would need from him at seven thousand bucks. Um, Andrew Putnam, he's just been playing good golf re- recently. I mean, Zozo finished second, um, Shriners twelfth, thirtieth at the Sanderson Farms, uh, the Forty Net uh, finished in forty third. Uh, he hits it long. Andrew Putnam, I mean, I've played with him a couple of times. He hits. He's not a big guy. He's like maybe. I don't know, five eleven, six foot, but he still smashes it. And he's a he's a good player. Um, and obviously trending guys playing some good golf right now. So uh at 7,400 bucks, he's making some birdies, getting some points. Um, give him four rounds. I like I like a guy like that who's been playing well. Um, I love seeing a guy come off of a a top finish, go into a no-cut situation because the pressure's off. Like you're not riding on 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 the on the fact that, or the expectation that you have to keep that going. It's like, Hey, I got four rounds. I'm playing well, just do what you do, do what you do and just make birdie. So I actually, if Andrew Putnam, I wouldn't surprise me if he finishes in the top 10 again. So uh, at 7,400 well. bucks. Yeah. He's playing well. Um, and then I'm going with, uh, with our boy here. Who's made a change in the last two years. He's playing some good golf second at the Zozo. Richard Fowler, let's wow. do this. <clears throat> He's riding high on confidence. He's feeling good. He missed the cut at the Shriners, but he it's not like he played poorly. He shot 70-70. Uh, 
you you shoot 70 70 and still have two more rounds to go and you find something on round three and four and you just burn it up um six at the 40 net and then second at the zozo uh, with that other event uh, smash in the middle ricky's gonna play good he's gonna finish in the top 10 as well um then i jump up to a guy who has not played this golf course before um but and he didn't play well the zozo i say didn't play well it finished 53rd but he hits it a mile, he smashes it, and this is just right up this guy's alley. It's kind of a U.S. Open kind of feel, golf course, par 71, long, but firm and fast. Uh, Cam Young is going to just make okay. so many birdies. He's okay. going to he's gonna crush it. Um, and then I jump up to Tyrell Hatton. Um, he, I mean, again, I, I see these DP Tour events that he's played in, a lot of top 10 finishes, again, what we talked about earlier, uh, the strength of field is so poor there, in my opinion, compared to the PGA Tour. They, they don't even they don't even make sense. Seventh, eighth, fourth, sixth, yeah, it's not the same. Then he goes to Zozo, finishes forty fifth. Uh, but Tyrell has played here before. He played here last year at Congaree. He finished second. Um, so he knows the golf course. He's a good ball striker. It wouldn't surprise me if he he follows up there. Um, so, and last but not least, <clears throat> I'm going with the best player in the world right now, in my opinion. Uh, I don't think it's even close. Uh, Rory McIlroy is going to win this event. He won the CJ cup last year, but it wasn't at Congaree, but he is going to win this event. Um, this is just right up his alley. He's the man he's going to get it done. Has not, he's only finished. He's only had one. I mean, one event uh, in the last however long uh, out of the top 10. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I was going through the list here. I couldn't even follow it because they're not – on DraftKings, they're not uh, listing all of the PGA Tour events. But, I mean, the guy's been playing incredible golf. Um, so, Rory McIlroy, $11,100. Uh, I think he gets it done. And I think the other guys all finished in the top 10. I think – all six of my guys finished in the top ten. I'm just saying that I'm gonna I'm gonna win by 100 points. Wow. Okay. Wow. Okay. Can I put Let's money go. on that not happening? Yeah, can, like, I'm shorting that stock. 100. All right. <laughs> I mean, wow. obviously that's that's a bold statement. I'm I'm making a bold statement here. This is not like what an automatic. Was that? All right. I'm gonna go real fast. Okay. Um, and then we'll let the champ have the the floor to, to cap it off. So I'm going to start at the bottom. Gary Woodland, $6,400. I, I don't know why. A couple of the models are saying he fits this golf course. And he was cheap. So that's why I went with Gary Woodland. I like him because I had some higher dollar guys. A I couple need to of get. the models. We got hurricane tracking. Got some spaghetti models. Yeah, we get some models <laughs> over here, dude. You don't have, you have no idea the models I have. Good research. I stopped. I got so many models. So I was reading this one article and I had to click off of it because I was like the third paragraph. It was saying some of the key stats to factor this week are driving accuracy percentage, strokes gained approach, strokes gained putting, strokes gained around the green, and strokes gained tee to green. I'm like, that's all the here. fucking stats. Like, get out of here. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Like, I'm not reading this article. Incredible input. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Yep. Let's get the best at all those stats. Sure. Yeah, I, I, that's like the top ten players in the world. Like, it's like, <laughs> like all right, what we, great. Well, what are we doing I, here? I can only get one of those yeah. guys. Yeah. Like, give, give me something else. So, okay, so Gary Woodland, sixty four hundred dollars. Again, not too confident there, but the rest of my squad I, I like. 
7,000, Taylor Moore. Been playing well. He didn't play well at Shriners, but a bunch of top 30 finishes recently. I like him at $7,000. I was trying to avoid Zozo, guys, because traveling all the way back from Japan, I wasn't quite sure how they'll... You know, you go from Japan to the East Coast is is a long way. Is how their body is going to react and acclimate to the the, the time difference. So I got half my teams are, are played on the Zozo last week. Um, half of them did not. So, but Taylor Moore, seven thousand. I like his game. Uh, I like the way he's trending, and I like his money. Then I will go up to the steal of DraftKings this week. Emiliano Grio, seventy nine hundred dollars. Yeah. The guys, the guys playing his ass off. In the last handful of months, he's a tremendous ball striker. But the reason he's starting to play well now is because he's putting better. So if he can keep the putting going with his always good ball striking, I like him to have a good a good you finish. I think he's going to put, put well on Bermuda Greens, though, because they haven't played on Bermuda Greens. They've been playing. Yeah, but those, are like brand new, those are like brand new Bermuda down there that has like no grain on them. That's true. Maybe. We'll Less see. grain. Last we'll so I think he missed. I think he misses the cut in the no cut event. Okay, I appreciate that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, jo- I'm joking. <laughs> I'll probably get a WD from someone on my team here in no cut event. <laughs> I, I said all of my guys are going to finish the top ten. Three of them are going to WD and be like, I'm out. Yeah, they're like, oh, I jet lag from Zozo. I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> so then I go up to 8,500. Um, Terrell Hatton, uh, mm-hmm. kind of some of the reasons that you said, and he played this golf course well last year in the event there there's not many of the guys I was looking to pick played in this event uh, or played at this golf course at the Palmetto championship last year, but I do like him uh, off his recent play and um, course experience. Then I go to one of my whoobies, $9,100 max Homa. He's just, he's just solid. And I like him at $9,100. He's just the guy is just solid. He it's all he does. He, he's gonna you, you you love him. You love his him. game. I mean, he's been one of the best players in the world. He's one of the top ten player in the world in the last twelve he, months. You're right. He has, he has been in the last two months, three months. He's or I'd say I'd say the last two years. He, the guy's been stellar. Like he's coming what's his off, world ranking? What's his world ranking? He's just outside the top ten. He might be like fourteen somewhere in there. I mean, damn, that's and what's his price tag? Ninety one hundred bucks. Yeah, I mean. He's getting it done. I mean, I get it. I mean, he's one of the one of the top, you know, five guys in this field right now as far as how he's been playing. He's coming off the the President's Cup, and he's a good dude. So I like him. I think he's just going to be solid. Guarantee he's going to guarantee me a top twenty finish. Uh, You know, easy guarantee, guarantee. And um, then I go up to the winner. I pretty much never pick this guy. He just doesn't do it for me, but. His game's rounding into form. He's a little rested. $10,900, John Rom. I knew you were going to fucking pick John Rom. I knew it. I, knew I it. never picked John Rom, but I, I just I think he's going to win. I think he's going to be go. on a mission. He wants number well, one in the world back. He did just win last week. Two weeks ago. Two weeks ago? Yeah. Two yeah, weeks two ago. weeks ago, on the, on the uh, he won in, in Spain at the uh, Open de España. Tied Open Sevi. de España. Tied Sevi for winning the Spanish Open th- for three times. I mean, the guy's playing well. I know those those fields are lesser fields. He's coming first and second in his last but two he, events over there. A, a win is a win, though. That does a win's uh, a win. He shot sixty-two like, with all the pressure. He was expected to win. 
That's hard. In his home That's country. Really um, I, I, I think we're getting ready to see a big year for John Rom. He's motivated. I like it. I think he's motivated. Again, I, the guy doesn't. I have a hard time rooting for him. You know, when he's in contention to most most PGA Tour events. But I, I think he's primed. I think he's pissed that he had a kind of a rough year. I'm surprised that you don't like the guys that are so, that are outspoken because you were outspoken. Like, like, why do you not like Sergio? And John Rom? These guys, like, well, no, John Rom. Like I don't have is. anything with John Rom says. Sergio is a is a petulant, whiny little bitch. But <laughs> John Rom, I know it's just like watching him play golf bothers me for some reason. I don't know if it's his swing. I don't. I don't know. It doesn't. I don't like root against him, but I don't root yeah. for him. There are guys like. Like I root against like, Sergio. Your swing, your swing, everything about the way that you, you know, play your game is like I just don't really like. It just doesn't fit my personality. Yeah, his swing is kind of weird and goofy, in my opinion. Yeah, but, it is. I mean, he's in a. I mean, he's in a, a. He's a generational type player. I mean, he's incredible. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not discounting that, but like visually, like from an aesthetic standpoint, I look at him like. I don't know. It's like a kind of a weird, goofy little thing move, and like yeah, it's super it's bowed. It looks. Short and bowed I, I mean, and I'll say the same thing about Dustin Johnson. Like I, I don't really like watch watching Dustin Johnson play because um, his swing is kind of weird. Everything looks so choppy and there's a lot of movement. And I'm like, but he's he's incredible. He's awesome. He's a great player. But I like it's just Jordan Spieth. I don't like watching him swing. Um, yeah. I, it's just like, hey, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what else to say. I just don't like. I mean, you're great players, and I just don't like watching you swing. Yeah, there's just something about it. I just, I don't know. He just doesn't do it for me. He actually, I mean, he oh. does. He does give a pretty good interview. You know, he's he, he was he was a little whiny when he first came out on on tour, and he's kind of matured a little bit. He he is pretty um, thoughtful, and and you know, you're right. He says what he thinks, but I just, I don't know. Um, this. For the listeners, um, if anyone has a Remus repeal version six that they want to sell me, um, just let me know. Um, I'd love to buy one from you because I think I just crushed this whole bottle. <laughs> I, it was not, it, I didn't open it on the show. I'm just preface that, but I had like probably a little less than half, and I'm pretty close to the bottom here. This is a good podcast, by the way. God, your liver has got to be just dying for a break. It is probably dying for a break. I'm just trying to make sure I get through this cold, and then if I can burn this cold off, then I'll be good. Here you go. Then I'm gonna then I'm gonna take a break. Uh, Godspeed. All right, champ. So most likely, my computer is gonna die because of you long winded fucks. I mean, I, I've had my picks over. My computer went critical battery a few minutes ago, and I'm sitting there going, "Oh, I'm, don't worry, I got plenty of time to get my picks in." And you fucking guys. Turn it but into Jay's sports. Jay's been very long-winded tonight, as he normally is. But ESPN segment. Hey. Let me let's get let me I get mean, into this. What do you want God me to do? Me it's a goddamn this. podcast where we talk about this. golf. Like, what do you want All me right. to talk about? Seventy-two hundred uh, <laughs> Sea Island boy Keith Mitchell yeah, coming in hot, like playing a like lot of pick. golf courses uh, that is, is going to set up. He, he's comfortable playing golf courses that are going to set up similar to Congaree, and ultimately, it's him. not going to be a foreign. Uh, a foreign track. I had him in my lineup. I had him in my lineup for a long time, and then I took him out. But I like that pick. Yeah, I do too. Jay, I love you, buddy. But it's it's my turn now. Thanks. <laughs> um, moving up from there, uh, mirroring exactly what Jay so eloquently put before, uh, I do have Mister Ricky Fowler in at seventy four hundred. Um, yep. 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 
next step up, 7,700. Again, a guy who plays a lot of golf on golf courses like this, probably has played a lot of golf at Congaree, guy from Savannah, Georgia, won at Eagle Point when they hosted the uh, Wells Fargo there. And again, Congaree and Eagle Point, similar golf courses to a certain degree. Brian Harmon, I think, is going to get out there, play inside those pine trees like he's so used to doing, and I think he posts a good week this week on that golf course. I like that. I like that pick. Um can I say I like that pick, or is that going to ruffle your feathers? No, no, no. A, a, a quick gonna, takes nice. You can, you can say nice. you like it, but you can't yeah. then a, ask a if quick, you can say it. There we go. You know that that's that's a good rule of thumb. You know, just kind of a common. I'm ground just there. I'm just trying like, to figure the whole talking. set out. You're still out. talking. Yeah. yeah, it's okay. Uh, all right, moving forward, <laughs> going up with. I mean, if we uh, could go back to a couple of podcasts <laughs> prior and like do the same thing for you, I mean, we could really get some shit together. All three of us have it, so it can't out Terrell Hatton that's a done deal at 8500 bucks um so it's now a five man game this week uh but then moving up from there I got the voice I had to do it spring break all over Jordan Speeth at 8800 and Justin Thomas at 10,000 wow $100 yeah. spicy one of Jupiter's finest Mixed Texas, Texas and South Florida. It's gonna maybe be Smiley Kaufman's on the call on the now that he's doing the. Uh, <laughs> he may be there. He may be. He on could the be there. Imagine that yeah. you have the three guys from SB uh, gotcha. Spring Break Two K One, whatever the hell that was, and then Smiley Kaufman, who's now got a microphone well, in his hand. Ricky's not a there golf too. In his hand. Ricky's there too. Come on, we got to yeah. force him. Wow, what picks? I was really what? hoping my battery. That's very themed picks. Guys local to the area and then the spring break boys. Yeah. Get him where you fit him. All right. Well, I think I think McLean comes in last this week. There's a good chance. <laughs> Odds are not in my favor. We're gonna we need it. We need it badly because you've been beating her ass the last yeah, four. We five need a weeks. last place out of you. Yeah. Although I do love JT and Speeth. So well, I hate that. And Dickie You've got to like them at this golf course. You've got to like them at this golf course. I mean, JT is much of an all-around player as he is. This is a place that's going to set up. All right, very we nice can't get any, You're going to set Jay off here. He's going to go on this rampage about he doesn't have all the shots like Rory does. And I can't hear that rant one more time because he's so wrong. Oh, um, God. I mean, if we, I mean, it's no different than us, you talking about how you hate live golf over and over and over. But I mean, because you guys talk about how much you love live golf over and over. No, and over. We don't love live golf. I don't <laughs> give two shits. I love, I love golf. I love change. I like better. I like better. That's what I like better. But I, JT's all good. Whatever. Yeah. He's, he's fine. He's fine. He's like a, he's like a second tier player, but he's second tier. He's, okay. he's good. He's really good, but not quite there, but he's really good. Yeah. All right. On that note, we hope our listeners enjoyed the show. We were a little all over the place. A couple off-topic, non-golf topics snuck in there. Yeah, and, that's what you uh, got to do. That's what you got to do. Yeah. Again, like I said, I thought we had nothing to talk about tonight. And an hour and 45 minutes later, we're going to wrap up the pod. Yeah. Just Always to, have something to talk about. Always. Yeah. Always. That's what I'm talking always. about. I Just mean, to recap, even it's always the nugget. Even in always damn no October, October, October fall, fall golf, and we're we got this filling up the airways. Yeah, so. sober like, October. Yeah, no, nothing sober. Nah, I'm not doing that. <laughs> that sounds awful. Jake can't but, go a day without drinking. No, I can go plenty of days, but I I was gonna go today, but I I had this cold. And I needed to burn it off with some with some Remus. So 
<laughs> all uh, right. Uh, so again, to all our listeners, thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed it. And we'll be back next week for another episode. Cheers. <laughs>